Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. All right, we've got a few people in the room now, so let's get started, shall we? Welcome, everybody, to our first ever Spotify Green Room live session here at One Football. We're deep into Euro 2020 now, and we've got four intriguing quarterfinal clashes coming our way on Friday and Saturday. I'm Dan Burke. To preview those games, I'm joined today by Alex Motz. Hello. Manu Dominguez. Hi, everyone. Thank you, Dan. Uh, Mario Dezanet. Hello, guys. Uh, Manu, happy birthday to you again, by the way. How old are you today? Yeah, already 29, closer to the 30. 29? Yeah. <laughs> Buon compleanno. I didn't know you were that old, I wouldn't have invited you on today. Feliz <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, all right, so we'll, uh, we're going to preview all, all four quarterfinals today. We'll start with the match that's kicking off a couple of hours from now when Spain take on Switzerland in St. Petersburg. Uh, Manu, firstly, have you calmed down after that crazy game between Spain and Croatia yet? Yeah, actually, it was not easy to calm down because, yeah, as everyone saw, the match was incredible. But that's true that after three days, even the weather here in Berlin allowed me to, to calm down a little bit. But, yeah, now it's only two hours left. So looking forward to, to watching the match. And that's true that the hype start to be start start to increase because you know like for Spain after all of the low expectations that we had at the beginning to have the chance especially against Switzerland that we will see they have won against France but we would expect to play against the the the, the World Cup champion I mean we are too close to play at the, the semi-final and and what we are feeling as I say after those low expectations is it's a lot so yeah let's see let's see how how it's going on and how it's going to be my reaction after after four hours yeah, well, I was going to say, what was the reaction to that game like in Spain, the Croatia game, you know, in the media? What's the general mood heading into the quarterfinal? Are Spanish people feeling confident yeah. or, or cautious? As you can imagine, in Spain, everything is black or white. So uh, with those <laughs> low expectations, everyone was thinking like, OK, Spain is not going to manage it. We are the worst national team in the last 25 years, blah, blah, blah. But then after you win 5-0 against Slovakia, but especially... You you won that match against Croatia and how you won playing well, scoring five goals. Everyone now thinks that okay, it's gonna be too easy to 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 win against Switzerland. We are right now favorites because France is not not in the tournament. You know, actually, I don't think that Spain is too good now, and also Spain was not too bad before. But the media in Spain, it was always like that with Real Madrid and Barcelona. One day you are the best, the next day you are you are the worst. I hate this kind of this kind of way of communicating. This this kind of um, Life the football, but it's how it is. And now we will see. Today, Luis Enrique is the best coach in the world, but if they lose against against Switzerland, <laughs> I'm going to see what is going to happen in the newspapers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, who are you looking at as, as Spain's key players in this game at, at this stage in the tournament? Uh, yeah, for me, I think that uh, Switzerland doesn't play with Shaka, so I think that the midfield is going to be too important. And probably in the midfield where is the, the strongest, the strongest uh, part of the Spanish national team. At the end, actually, it's the one that Luis Enrique is never touching. He's always playing with with Busquets because he didn't play the first two matches because he was injured. But uh, once he he could include Busquets in the start eleven, it's always Busquets, Pedri, and Coque. And for me, are the three key players for for this match and, and the following tournament, especially because everyone knows Busquets. He's he's the key player of one of the of the biggest teams in the world, like Barcelona. And actually, he did a, a really good season. And since he's playing, Spain has improved a lot. And then, what to say about Pedri? I think that it's one of the man of the tournament. He did an incredible job against against Croatia. He's only 18 years old. One of the guys who is running the most kilometers in the tournament, and he's playing. Too well, too easy. So we will see. I mean, looking forward to watching those three to play to play again together. 
Yeah, Morata was talking about Pedri and he was saying, and I quote, he will be one of the best players in the history of Spanish football. Is that the sort of vibe you're getting uh-huh. from him? I mean, it's too, too early to say that, but at the end, Morata trains <laughs> with him and I don't know, uh, it's, it's not that I want to I want to say that, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm watching Pedri since, since he started the season. Uh, I have following him the whole season because at the end, Barcelona is one of my teams. And he plays too easy. I mean, he's like to see a guy playing with his friends on the pl- playground. And, and I think that these kind of players, they are the ones who make the difference because he's not uh, the fastest player. He's not, actually, he doesn't have a good shoot. He not scores a lot of goals. But you only see how he moves, how he understands the game the position that he has to be in every situation. And it's something that I think that you are born with that. So in my opinion, he's special. I don't know if he's going to be the best player in the Spanish history because, come on, we, we, we are talking about Iniesta, Xavi Hernandez or, or players like that. But in my opinion, he's special. And you only need like half an hour to see him on the pitch to know that, okay, this guy that it's not, not strong, he's doing something different. Otherwise, he wouldn't be playing in the, with 18 years old in the start 11 of one national team like Spain in a tournament like that. Yeah, maybe be careful with those back passes to the goalkeeper in this game, though, eh? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this kind of mistakes, you know, but actually, yeah. let us say that Tunay Simon didn't have his, his best performance at that, at that moment. Yeah. Uh, does Spain have any other injuries or, or other selection problems going into this game? What do you expect the starting lineup to look like? Yeah, with Luis Enrique, it's, it's never possible to know because one of the, the, the strong things that the national team of Spain has is that everyone has the possibility to play from in the start 11 because everyone is motivated. The team is like, it made like a group. Uh, for example, one day Jordi Alba does an amazing match, but the next day Gaja starts. Uh, Gerard Moreno the same, but then you introduce uh, Ferran Torres and score. Dani Olmo was not in the start 11, but in the extra time he provided two assists. So you never know what, what is going to happen. Probably, in, I don't know, around half an hour, we are going to have already the start 11 of Spain. I think that the midfield is not going to change. I think that Alba is going to be back in the, in the left back. And probably Moratam, Ferran and Sarabia. I think so that this is not going to be a change there. Maybe Dani Olmo instead of Ferran Torres, we will see. For me, the only doubt is with the centre-back. Laporte is is going to be in the start 11, but then we will see who plays uh, uh, with him. In the last two matches was Eric Garcia, but then he was substituting the halftime against Croatia. He didn't play properly well, in my opinion. So maybe we see, again, uh, Paul Lopez playing with, with Laporte. But I would say that maybe Jordi Alba is going to be a, a change and, and he will keep it more or less the same that it worked in the last two matches. Mm. As for Switzerland, Alex, did you uh, did you ever imagine they had any chance of getting past France? And uh, do you think they can, <laughs> can do the same to Spain? Maybe. I mean, honestly, no, I didn't. I didn't give them a chance against France at all before the game. And at three-one, I thought you know, they looked <laughs> sort of dead and buried. But yeah, the way they battled back on Monday night was astonishing. Really, when you when you sort of look at it, when you watch back the game, it was amazing. Such a, such a good performance for 120 minutes plus penalties. I thought this, their spine was really, really impressive. Um, obviously, Sommer let in three, but I thought he had a, generally had quite a good game. And Shaka sort of looked back to his old Stoke self, really, and um, pulled the strings like really well behind Zafarovic. Obviously, Zafarovic scored the two goals. They're really, really good finishes. But, um, yeah, without Xhaka, I, yeah, it's going to be really, really tough for them. I, I think it's probably going to be Dennis Zachariah, the, the Gladbach midfielder, is probably going to come in. It looks like he's yeah, most likely to replace Xhaka. And, yeah, like, like Manu's just said really well there, the, the midfield is, is what 
makes that Spain team tick really. And yeah, with that, without Xhaka sort of breaking up, breaking that up, I think, um, yeah, Pedri's going to have a bit of a field day later on. And yeah, I think, uh, it's going to be Spain to win probably. But, but I mean, like I said before the France game, I would have said France 100% to win. So I think that's what's exciting about this tournament, really. Any of the eight teams could theoretically win it, which I mean, how many times have we said that in a tournament before? So, um, yeah, I'll tentatively go for Spain, but I think it's going to be a good game. I think it will be a really good yeah. game. I just hope that Swiss fan that went viral for uh, taking his shirt off. Hasn't yes. Been That's, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Be fine Free for tickets, me. <laughs> I think, for the rest of the tournament. That's right, yeah, yeah. Uh, how about you, Mario? Any, any other names you would throw into the hat as potential key players for Switzerland in this game? I agree that the midfield is going to be an important part of the game, especially with Chaka absent, which has been super important with France. And, I mean... Maybe Shakiri is going to be uh, very important because I think it's going to be way less spaces than he was with France. And he's that kind of player that can do something out of nothing. And especially, you know, it's going to take the any free set pieces of the games and uh, maybe something can come out out of that. Because honestly, I, I hardly believe that they can do something uh, similar to France. Also because maybe we can... We can expect a, a game more similar to the one that they played with Italy, that Switzerland played with Italy because of the, the, the style of play of, of Spain. So um, I would go with Shakiri, but to be honest, I see Spain. <laughs> well, all right, let's have, let's have a score prediction from you all then. Manu, you can go first as the Spaniard among us. Mm, yeah, I'm going to go for 3-1. I think that Spain is going to start leading up 2-0, but then, yeah, where difference is too weak, so probably Seferovic or in one, yeah, in one free kick or whatever, Switzerland is going to score the 2-1. Tw- the and then in the last minutes, probably we're going to have spaces and we have, like, good players coming from the bench. And, yeah, let us see that Gerard Moreno finally scores his his goal in this tournament. <laughs> Alex, for you? Uh, I'll say 2-1, I think, yeah. 2-1 Spain, sorry, yeah, 2-1 Spain. Yep. Mario? 3-0. 3 nil. <laughs> I'm going to yeah, go for 2-1 yeah, two, yeah, yeah. Spain as well, actually. That was that was the score in my head. Uh, a few fun facts about this game. Uh, Spain have lost just one of their last 22 meetings with Switzerland, which was the opening game of the 2010 World Cup. I'm sure you remember that one well, Manu. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Fernandez scored. And, yeah, we thought that the, that the world was going to go down. And after that, look, we won <laughs> yeah. the, the World Cup, yeah. Worked out all right in the end, yeah, yeah. Uh, this is Switzerland's fourth quarter-final appearance in a major tournament and their first ever in the European Championship. And Spain have become the first team in European Championship history to score five-plus goals in consecutive games. Uh, so let's move on now to the late kickoff on Friday, where Belgium take on Italy in Munich. Uh, Mario, what is the, the mood in Italy like heading into this game? Is everybody feeling confident or maybe a little pessimistic after that uh, tough game against Austria last time out? I mean, I think we are happy with whatever is going to come out of this game because like after the failure of uh, the World Cup obviously it's very it's been there is this thing that everybody says that Mancini did already an amazing job so there is that kind of enthusiasm and at the same time this awareness of um, how good this team is and I think it was also influenced by how all Europe were like praising us, which is something that we're not used to uh, for our game, of course. And um, and I think at the same time, it was very important to have that kind of a game with Austria because like we had this long ambition run, 
but we never really play some top level team and having that kind of suffering time with Austria kind of give us more awareness of our limits and I think it can be very important so we get to this game with the the right amount of enthusiasm I think not too much because I had the feeling that it was a bit too much after the group (laughs) stage and now I think like okay we can play this game with and also like I think Belgium maybe has a bit more pressure because this generation I mean, they got third in the World Cup, but they didn't win anything. And they're getting older while we have all the time, I would say. Like, it's a different kind of mindset. So I think it's a very good spirit. Yeah, well, Roberto Mancini had some tough decisions to make in terms of his team selection against Austria. Uh, firstly, what do you think Italy's midfield is going to look like for this game? Well, apparently it's going to be the same as Austria. So with Verratti, uh, Varela and Jorginho. And I think it's the right choice because, like, of course, the doubt is about Verratti uh, because Locatelli is this amazing game with Switzerland. And, of course, you know, it became like a rising star of this tournament. And a lot of people was asking him to be like the man also with Austria. But at the same time, I think we kind of forgot how Verratti good is. I mean, he is probably the best player we have in terms of success and I mean the City game you don't must remember it I mean he was amazing and mm. he, he didn't the fact is that he didn't do as well in the national team as well as, as in PSG so I think it's the right choice to do and then maybe having some I mean Locatelli coming in uh, I think can be better to have that kind of player to come up in the second half or extra time or whatever it's going to be. Yeah. Do you expect any changes up front for this game as well? Well, apparently it's going to be Chiesa in. So, um, instead of of Berardi, uh, which is something that I think is, I mean, a good choice because um, he's the best player we have on the one-on-ones. So, I think, especially with kind of a slow defense as... Belgium has, has, has that kind of speed straight away since the beginning can be very important. And, um, I mean, and then looking, I mean, he's a player that, of course, is going to play, play on the right flank and he's going to make also the pitch wider. So I think it's going to be very important to have him since the beginning. And that's the only thing that's going to change. And, uh, I think it's the best choice because having that kind of player since the beginning gives you like a more aggressive team since the beginning. And I think that can be very important. Yeah. And what about the defence? Who do you think will be, uh, will be tasked with dealing with Lukaku? Well, it's going to be Chiellini, you know, like um, mm-hmm. it's going to be... It's already happened in Inter-Juventus this year and uh, it's been, I mean... He did some mistakes, but at the same time, he was a, a very physical player that Lukaku kind of suffered. So I think it's going to be him on charge of, of, of Lukaku. But at the same time, it's going to be a, a, a team effort because, because especially if the Bruin, I mean, the Bruin apparently is going to play, but um, he's not at his 100%. So I think it's going to be uh, important to like stop Lukaku and, and, the effort must be by the whole team and just try not to give him space because in that situation, 
I mean, it's going to be very hard for Italy. Yeah, he's dangerous. Uh, yeah, as for Belgium, Manu, I mean, uh, Eden Hazard is out. It sounds like Kevin De Bruyne might have recovered from his injury in time to play. Uh, how important would that be for Belgium in this game, would you say? Yeah, I mean, as everyone knows, probably Kevin De Bruyne is one of the key players of the tournament, one of the best midfielders in the world. What to say about Hazard, that even if he had not the best Chula season in his in his career, he's, he's always Eden Hazard and a guy who... Who can do something from from who can get something from nothing? In my opinion, they are like two key misses. Uh, but I don't know. I had the feeling that Roberto Martinez is a coach that he always be more comfortable in this kind of defensive perception, defensive situation, and the issue that he's not gonna count with with Hazard and maybe not the bring. Maybe he can give him the chance to to put the lines like uh, kind of the back, wait for Italy. You know, Italy likes to play with the ball. And at the end, you have players like uh, Carrasco or Lukaku in order to to run and to to look for the counterattack. I think that it could be something positive for Belgium at the end to to have like a, a strong defense close to Courtois. I don't think so. It's a bad business because it's really tough to to that, that Belgium can concede a goal. So uh, that's true. I mean, the the bring is going to be like a, a big miss, but we will see. Maybe he he's, he he played from from the beginning. But I'm going to see a kind of Belgian team waiting for Italy, giving Italy all of the possession, all of the ball, and as they did against Portugal, to try to find one good chance, uh, get the ball in, and then to, to defend. I think that the, the match is, is more equilibrated, even in, without the bring and Hazard, than the people think. Yeah, what about Axel Witzel, Alex? Is he a key player for Belgium, would you say, and how do you expect him to cope with Italy's midfield? Yeah, I think he's actually probably been one of the most underrated players in this tournament to, 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 to this point, I think. Him alongside Tielemans is a midfield pair that I really like. And I think, I mean, we talk about Belgium going forward, but their three centre-backs are Aldevarad, Vermeulen and Vertonghen, which doesn't fill many people with confidence, I wouldn't have thought. So having Witzel just there, just sitting back, sort of shuttling from side to side, I think, is really, really important for them. And yeah, that midfield battle tonight is going to be, um, going to be fascinating. I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to this game tonight. I think it's going to be a really, really good one. Um, yeah, Mancini against Martinez. I'd, I'm going to, I'm backing Mancini to see out here. I think, um, Italy just going to do it. But yeah, that midfield battle is going to be, going to be fascinating tonight, I think. Well, well, last time Mancini and uh, Martinez came up against each other was the 2013 FA Cup final. Yes, of course it was. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> let's, not, let's not talk about that one. <laughs> uh, some, some more fun facts for you. Uh, each of Italy's last three appearances at the quarterfinals of the Euros have been decided by a penalty shootout. Uh, Belgium have won seven of their last eight matches at the Euros, with their last defeat being against Wales in Euro 2016. Uh, against no side, Belgium played more games at major tournaments without winning than Italy. Uh, so let's have a score prediction for this game. Uh, Mario, you can go first. Let's go 2-1 Italy, I hope so. Uh, yeah, let's go with that. 2-1. For you, Manu? Yeah, I go for 1-0 one, one for Belgium. Oh. <laughs> Alex? Uh, I'm going to go one each and Italy to win on penalties. Wow. I'm going wow. yeah. <laughs> to go, it's gonna be I'm a gonna good go nil-nil and penalties. Oh, God. so yeah, a real a real game of chess, we'll say. Uh, that brings us on to Saturday's games, beginning with Czech Republic versus Denmark in Baku. Uh, let's talk about Denmark first. Uh, Mario, how impressed have you been with their form over the last few games, uh, especially considering what they went through with Christian Eriksen in that, in that first game? I mean, I think it was. Uh, I wouldn't say impressed, but like 
um, with what happened with Ericsson, to be honest, I think whether you do something amazing or you fall apart, there's no something in between. And uh, they luckily went amazing. And I think um, looking back, I think we could have thought about something like this. When I mean, I'm still, I was uh, amazed by the first 10 minutes with Belgium. Like I could feel the stadium. I don't know if it was because we're not used to people in the stadium anymore. But those 10 minutes were like unbelievable with that goal from Paulson. And so I think that there is this thing on one side, which is the psychological part of it. And on the other side, I mean, they have amazing players. Uh, of course, you lost Ericsson, but Damskar came out, but it's been amazing in Italy. And there are so many good players in that team that, I mean, we could have kind of expected that. Although, of course, what happened with Ericsson became the most important thing. But And I think they can go through, to be honest. And uh, let's see tomorrow. But And everyone, of course, yeah. is going to kind of, I think, cheer for them because... I mean, what happened? And it's, it's an amazing story. I mean. Yeah, everyone except the Czech Republic, I would say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, Denmark yeah. come into this game on the back of a, a 4 1 win over Russia and a 4 0 win over Wales. They're in great form. Uh, Ma- uh, Mario mentioned a couple of names there, Manu. Who, who else would you say have been their most impressive performers in recent weeks? Yeah, actually, if I go with the trend, I would follow my, my colleague Mario and yeah, Mikkel Damsgar, he has been the, the most impressive, in my opinion, the Danish player in, in the last matches, especially after this Ericsson miss. You know, he was the one who brought some inspiration in the, in the last part of, of the pitch, bringing really nice, nice assists. And in my opinion, he has, he has been doing like an amazing tournament. And then, uh, in the last match, finally, Finally, our lovely Dolberg, that for me was one of the most impressive strikers when he was in Ajax, at least appeared in an important tournament. It's for me, it's been a pity the last the last season of of Dolberg in France because I think that he's, in terms of quality, one of the the most promising strikers that we can we can find in Europe. But I don't know, he's like really cold and he does maybe one good match and then he he's missing completely for for fifteen twenty match. So in this kind of tournaments, is this kind of guys that if they are touching from from the magic that they can change everything. Uh, Dolber did in the last in the last qualification qualification match in quarter in a uh, last sixteen round and now we will see today. But yeah, I would go for I would go for these two uh, Damsgaard and, and Dolberg. Yeah, uh, Yusuf Poulsen is available for this game after he missed out against Wales. You, are you expecting him to start here, Alex, or do you reckon Dolberg will keep his place after that brace against Wales? Um, I think that's a difficult one, actually, because I thought Paulson's arguably been Denmark's player of the tournament before the Wales game. I mean, he scored that really, really good goal against Belgium um, and just generally looked a threat in all the games, really. And he scored against Russia as well, which was a nice finish. You know, he offers that big aerial presence. But um, but Dahlberg was brilliant against Wales, wasn't he? And I think he probably does deserve to keep his place, to be honest. And, And it's actually really nice to see him do well, I think. You know, when he came through Ajax... It was that season they got to the Europa League final when they played Man United and he just looked absolutely different class. Thought he was going to be sort of, you know, one of the next superstars of the game, but it hasn't really worked out for him like that. And I guess his move to Nice is probably, French football experts can tell him differently, but I think his yeah, Nice move's probably gone a bit hot and cold. But 
yeah, he's showing us the Welsh just what he's all about. He's such a good, clever striker, makes really good movement inside and outside the box. And he, I don't know, I really like him as a player. So, yeah, I'd keep Dolberg in and maybe bring Paulson on last 10 minutes. if it Lump it up to the big man if they need to. Yeah, well, unlike Manu, Dolberg is still a very young man, so he's got time on his side, hasn't he? Uh, <laughs> Fulfill some more of that potential at this time. Uh, as for the Czech Republic, has their form been a big surprise for you, Mario, or did you always uh, think they had dark horse potential going into this tournament? To be honest, I would have never thought about quarterfinals for them. And I still believe that they got there because of a bit of luck. Because they got this amazing boost from that game with Scotland, the first one. I mean, that amazing goal. And um, and then, to be honest, like even the Netherlands game, if Malin scored and the league didn't do what it did, maybe we would be talking about something else. So... I'm surprised that they are at the quarterfinals, but I'm still waiting for something bigger to consider a big surprise. I mean, I think there is a lot of luck in what they did so far. But, I mean, mm. maybe going to change my mind. <laughs> maybe. Uh, well, Patrick Schick has grabbed the headlines with four goals, but uh, who else would you suggest we watch out for in this Czech team, Manu? Yeah, in my opinion, yeah, everyone talks about Patrick Schick because he's doing an, yeah, an incredible tournament, especially after that amazing goal against against Scotland. But I would say that the powerful of the of Czech Republic it comes from, especially from the group. I mean, they are defending very well at the end. A team that plays against not only Scotland but also Croatia, England, and Netherlands, and they only concede one uh, two goals. It 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 says you a lot that they are doing like a good job defensively. So, in my opinion, the middle like. Trusic is doing like the, I think it's West Ham player. He's doing like a, like a good tournament. But yeah, I would go for, in my opinion, uh, I would go for Backlick, especially because he has have like, he was being really unlucky this season with Sevilla. He was the, the, the start goalkeeper uh, two seasons ago, but then he got an injury. Bono did amazing and this season he didn't play too much. And now when actually he, he become a free agent, I think that he's being one of the best goalkeepers in the tournament and I'm really happy for him because yeah he has been impressive in his first season in Spain and now with no contract and performing well in the Euro I think that if he does like an amazing match again today again or sorry, tomorrow uh, against Denmark probably one of the biggest teams in Europe they are going to ask for, for, for his contract for his future yeah, he has been really good, actually. Yeah, uh, Alex, do you think they will uh, they will line up like they did against uh, Netherlands again in this game, or could we see a few changes? For example, they've got captain Vladimir Darida available again after suspension. Yeah, I mean, they changed their shape for that Netherlands game and went four one four one, and Barak came in, and I thought they were really impressive. And um, if I was the manager, I'd I wouldn't change it, but. It's going to be a very brave coach to leave out a captain when he's back available. So, um, I don't know. I'd, I think that I would imagine that they'll bring Derrida in and maybe take Barrett back out and go 4 2 3 1 like they did in the earlier games. But, um, yeah, I'd personally, I would stick with the 4 1 4 1, I think, because I was, I was as bad as the Netherlands were. And obviously, they got lucky. Well, Czech Republic got lucky with the red cards. Um, I thought, yeah, I thought they did pretty well with that 4 1 4 1. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens uh, tomorrow. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Well, quite, uh, yeah, a, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> let's have a score prediction on this one. You go first, Alex. Uh, I'm going to say 2-0 uh, Denmark, I think. 2-0. Mario, for you? 2-1 Denmark. Manu? 1-2 mm, Czech Republic. Oh, I'm going to go 1-0 Czech Republic, actually. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yeah. A divide so in the So we camp. are here then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
five of the last six matches between Czech Republic and Denmark have ended in draws. Denmark have scored nine goals at the Euros already. The only time they've managed more than that in a major tournament was the 1986 World Cup, where they got ten. And Patrick Schick has scored three left-footed goals at Euro 2020, the most of any player at the tournament so far. And finally, we come to the Saturday night game in Rome, where England take on Ukraine. <laughs> Alex, how would you sum up the mood among our fellow countrymen going into this game? <laughs> um, that's a difficult one, actually. I mean, for me personally, it's cautious optimism. But I think for the country at large, it certainly seems like a lot of people think we're already in the semi-finals, which <laughs> is... Uh, Hugely worrying for me. Um, I mean, obviously, the players are coming off the back of that enormous high against Germany. So it's going to be, uh, I don't know, it's going to be really interesting to see how they sort of come, get, get back down from that and then approach this game with a calm head. I think um, that's going to be, I mean, Gareth Southgate hasn't really put, well, he hasn't put a foot wrong so far in the tournament. So that's going to be really interesting to see how he sort of gets the players down and then back up again for this game because, um, yeah, if you sort of read the tabloid press back home, um, we're yeah we're in the final already. So um, yeah, cautious <laughs> optimism, I think. Yeah, the right way to be. Yeah, uh, yeah. You mentioned yeah. Southgate hasn't put a foot wrong. I mean, in the last game against Germany, he decided to mirror their three-four-three formation. Do you think he's going to do something similar here, or, or play a bit more of attacking style, try and get someone like Jack Grealish into the team, maybe? Yeah. Um, I, I don't think he'll go. I don't think he'll go three four three. I mean, I personally, I'd imagine that he'll go return to a back four here, and then maybe go four three three. I mean, that's how Ukraine have played for this whole tournament. So, um, and, and then with obviously Rice and Phillips are both on a booking. So if they get a yellow card, they miss the semi-finals. Um, again, talking about semi-finals, probably shouldn't do that. But um, yeah, I would. So I wouldn't be. <laughs> Wouldn't be too surprised if perhaps one of those, one of them sits out, maybe possibly Phillips, um, and then Jordan Henderson comes into the midfield. But Jude Bellingham could possibly play a part as well. Um, and then I think that I, I think he'll probably go three up top again. Sterling and Kane, absolute definites. And then it's going to be either one of Foden or Grealish. I think that would be uh, that would be what I would what I think he's going to go for. You think Saka drops out now then? I think so. I mean, he was really, I mean, obviously he was brilliant against Czech Republic when he came in and kept his place against Germany. I think they wanted him in that Germany game because Germany were playing with the wing-backs. And I don't think, uh, I just don't think that's needed here. I mean, Ukraine's biggest threat is Yarmolenko and I just, I mean, and and Zinchenko as well, actually, because Zinchenko's more of a midfielder for Ukraine. So, yeah, I I personally think he'll probably go with slightly more attacking option on the on the left hand side and yeah I would I mean I'd like to I'd like to see Sancho I've got to be honest but I don't think he'll go with Sancho um I think it'll, yeah it'll probably it'll, it'll be one of Grealish or Foden I would have thought in that in that other attacking position what about the fullbacks because that's a, a, a position where England have got quite a few options and it's kind of yeah. random what, what you think he might come out uh, of there I guess, yeah, it is, yeah it is I mean I'd, I'd like Shaw to keep his place at left back I think he's he's been excellent all tournament I'm really really impressed with him uh, despite what Jose Mourinho might say um, and then <laughs> I personally would would go Trippier as well I think his um, his set piece delivery is sort of invaluable at times so um, yeah, I'd, yeah I'd go Trippier and Trippier and Shaw I think Fair enough. Uh, By Mario, the way, Mourinho just about... landed in Rome. Oh, Sorry, did, Mar- yes. I saw him with his scarf. Mourinho oh, yes. just yeah, landed yeah, yeah, yeah. in Rome. So maybe, <laughs> I don't know. Watch out, Luke Shaw. They're, they're going to meet tonight after the <laughs> oh, game. I don't know. 
<laughs> Who knows? Uh, Mario, how do you feel about uh, Andrei Shevchenko's Ukraine's chances in this game? I mean, I, I think he knows that he doesn't have many chances, and that's why he asked for support to Italian fans due to his pass with AC Milan. I mean, I think England is pretty solid, and I, I hardly see um, Ukraine to, to... I mean, something weird has to happen to me, because they, to be honest, they didn't perform that well in these Euros. And they came with a good qualifying round and we were expecting more. And then they got through as third and even this, the game with Sweden, they struggled. And I mean, there was the red card that changed a bit the balance of the game. So to be honest, I don't see many chances for them. But I mean, at the same time, they have players that uh, I want to see if Malinowski is going to play this time. And uh, they have those kind of players that can change the game, like, um, all of a sudden. So something can happen, but to be honest, I don't see many chances for them. Yeah. Anyone else you would throw into the hat as uh, potential key players, Manu, for, for Ukraine? Mm, yeah, I might say that my favourite player probably is Malinovsky. But if we are talking about Ukraine, big tournaments, uh, playing against England, I think that yeah, it's fair to mention Yarmolenko. He changed completely when when he plays with his national team. The other day against Sweden, even the assist that he provides is like top top level with with his left foot. And and yeah, uh, I'm I'm go I'm gonna go for him. I think that Mario say that. Probably we're expecting more uh, from Ukraine. As you remember, Ian, uh, Dan, he was our, our dark horse, but because yeah. the qualification that he right. was, was incredible. But then that's true. Third in the group, even against Sweden. Yeah. The, the, the red card changed, changed a lot. But yeah, I think that, yeah, in this tournament, we are, we are having like a lot of surprises and Ukraine has, has incredible team. And with Jarmolenko, Sinchenko, Miram, Shukan, Malinowski, with a little bit of inspiration, I think that we can we can see an interesting match. Yeah, well, Alex, <laughs> that's enough, Manu. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> Alex. Let's imagine for a second that England do get through this one. It's Czech Republic or Denmark in the semi-final. Should they be looking at this as a great opportunity to get to the final, or is there a danger that complacency creeps in as soon as you start thinking too far ahead of yourself? I mean, I mean, they obviously should be looking at this as an amazing opportunity. I mean, we've seen them beat Czech Republic already in uh, in the tournament, and I, th- I thought they they beat them with relative ease, to be perfectly honest. And although I think Denmark are a very good team, and and I, I do respect them a lot, and they're obviously everyone's second team after what happened. Um, I, I don't think there'd be too much to worry England there. So. Um, so yeah, huge complacency is probably uh, probably the answer for that. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I I don't know. I, I just we just got to get past Ukraine tonight, and then um, I mean we're obviously on the most favourable side of the draw. But um, yeah, let's get past Ukraine first. That'd be what I suggest. Yeah. <laughs> I'll ask it for a score prediction in a second. But... <laughs> <That's it. laughs> there you go. That's the way to go. That's the way to go. Uh, yeah. First, let me tell you, England have lost just one of their seven meetings with Ukraine in all competitions. Ukraine have scored just three goals in those seven meetings with England and never more than once in a match. And each of England's previous three quarterfinal matches at the European Championships have gone to pe- extra time and penalties. Uh, you don't need me to tell you that they didn't go particularly well either. So, uh, <laughs> so on, that, on that bombshell, let's have a, let's have a score prediction, Alex. Um, I think it will be nervy and I think England will win 1-0 Mario the same 
the same one nil. I think same. that's gonna be okay. the kind of game. Manu. Mm, yeah, two one for England. Yeah, I was gonna say I think England have got to concede a goal at some point. I think Ukraine are gonna take a shock lead and England will come back and win two one. That's my prediction. Uh, well, that concludes our Baden Spotify Green Room live stream. I've been Dan Burke, and thanks to Alex Mott, Manu Dominguez, and Mario Dizanet for joining me. Thank you, of course, to everyone for joining us and, uh, and listening live as well. Uh, hopefully, this will be the first of many live streams, so stay tuned for more. Enjoy your weekend, and more importantly, enjoy the football. So we're only 40 people at the uh, who saw the Sex Pistols at the Free Trade Hall, so this could be a life-changing <laughs> yeah. uh, event for many people. <laughs> <laughs> Archimedes was on his own in the bathtub, as they say. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>